million pages. And Lindsay with the adventures of a bibliophile. And together, we're pages of a bibliophile. Yeah! Welcome to episode 5 of Pages of a Bibliophile, where we will be covering The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. We don't really have any announcements this week. The only thing that we want to remind you about is our quarterly book club which is Monday's Not Coming by Tiffany D. Jackson, and that will be coming out September 4th. And also, when you're listening to us on iTunes, if you could just go ahead and give us a rating, that would help tremendously. Absolutely. Five stars would be amazing. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah, I mean, why not? (laughs) I mean, if you're already there, you might as well just click it to five. (laughs) Hey, children of blood and bone. This week, I am reading Children of Blood and Bone, and Kelly is reading Dumplin', getting prepared for our next month's episodes. Yes. Julie Murphy. She is amazing. I'm hoping she gets back to us about being on the show. That would be pretty awesome. The Hate You Give. This is the book everyone is talking about. It's on all the bestseller lists. We were a little hesitant, I think, to cover it, but we're going to go all in here and tell you what we think, and then you can make your own assumptions on if you want to read it. Before you see the movie, the book is always better than the movie. Read it first. Right now. Star is the main character in The Hate You Give. She goes to a party that she wouldn't normally go to. It even I mean, it specifically says that multiple times. She would not be going to this party. Um, she meets up with a friend that she grew up with named Khalil, um, and then the party kind of comes to a close when shots ring out. Yes, and remember, again, as always, spoiler alert, shots ring out, and so Khalil runs her out of there, and they get in the car together, and they're riding along, and they're catching up, and then they get pulled over, and when they get pulled over... It's just a routine traffic stop, but then the officer just, and we'll talk about this next week, but there are good and bad people everywhere, and the officer is more reactionary, and this this week and next week we're going to be talking about assumptions versus reality. He makes a few assumptions before looking at the reality of the situation, and unfortunately, Khalil gets shot. He thinks that he's reaching for a gun. And he's actually reaching for a hairbrush. A hairbrush. And all he's doing is trying to check on Star in the car because he knows she's really nervous. She's never really had any encounters with the police, um, but she's taught from her early age exactly what to do, and she repeats it over and over and over again in her head. And I think that probably resonates with a lot of people. You're kind of taught a certain way by your parents how to respond to the police. And I think it is so scary when you feel like the people that are supposed to protect you, when they turn bad. Absolutely. And when you can't trust them. I mean, it's like those horror movies you see. Like, who do we go to if we can't go to the police? You know? And there are good cops out there. Kelly is dating Dating one. Yes. So, keep that in mind as we run through this. I am dating a police officer. That does sway my opinion some. But I'm going to give you the most honest reality that I can give you. Um, And then you can make your own opinions. Because that's what this episode is all about and this podcast is all about we want to be real with you guys and we want to interact with you so we would love to hear from you as well so khalil unfortunately um dies in this incident and star has to witness the entire thing and the conflict arises not only because he dies but because she is the witness 
And in your her neighborhood, snitches get stitches. And we hear this as teachers all the time. Tell me what happened. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah, we're not, we didn't see anything. What are you talking about? That didn't happen. Man, I'm not going to say anything. So she gets into that issue of do I say I think The Hate You Give does a really good job of showing the inner anguish she experiences of do I say something? Do I not say something? What are the benefits? How is it going to not only affect me, but my family if I say something? My community if I say something? Am I doing an injustice to Khalil by not saying something? And she has all this inner anguish that she has to deal with. And she's not only getting it from, you know, her family, but essentially her uncle is a police officer. So she's getting it from both sides. And then she also has to, by the way, I love what you just said. I love that. It's inner anguish is probably the term to sum up this whole book. And um, she does. I love that she has that police officer as an uncle. And then she also faces it at school because she goes to a primarily white um she goes to a primarily white prep school where their perception, their reality is a heck of a lot different than stars. And so their take on the situation and she, you know, is different. And she faces that with several people. And she feels she doesn't even tell anyone at her school that she's the witness until way down the road because she's so scared of what they'll think or that they'll talk about it or they'll say something or that they'll associate her with that neighborhood. And that really hit with me. I mean, she couldn't even be herself. Because she she constantly talks about having the two stars. Yes. Like, what star can I be here? And what star can I be at home? Because at home, you know, I stand up for myself. I do all these things. But at her preparatory school, she very much follows. She has to, like, step back from that leadership. That sense of confidence. And she just does whatever they say. I mean, it's sad. It is very sad. And she also, she's very much a follower and not a leader. And I think what is so sad is she does have to split herself. Be And she does this based on the reactions of her peers. From Like, she evaluates their reactions. And from there, she has formed these two different identities to keep her safe. It's like a preservation technique. And it's it's really sad. That's one thing that stuck out to me as well. Um, but throughout the book, like Kelly said, you know, you see her struggling with this inner anguish and I, I loved seeing, I didn't love seeing it, but I appreciated the way that Angie Thomas let Star's inner anguish come out with her actions and how those define the relationships with her, um, with herself and with her and her peers and her family until it finally got to a breaking point where she had to say something. And it shows that anger that she goes through because she's trying to, her dad is like a prominent person in the neighborhood. And an ex-gang member. And an ex-gang member. Then you have her uncle, who's a police officer, that had to help raise her when her dad was incarcerated. For gang activity. For gang activity. But he actually took the blame. For another person. So then you get even more taking blame for other people, why you do what you do. And that's the same for Khalil. He is seen, again with our assumptions, as a gangbanger. I mean, 
even the gang shows up at his funeral to save face, but in reality, he didn't join a gang. And he was dealing drugs, but it was... To support his family. To support his family. I mean, his grandma had cancer, I believe it was. It was cancer. And, and she was raising the kids. Right. He had to pay for bills because she lost her job. And so I think Angie does an excellent job of showing you that background of why people make those decisions. Because Star eventually joins in on the rioting and the things that, you know, in the media we take as just utter betrayal, I guess. But in reality, she, she it took her a long time to get to that point, and she just did not know how to channel her anger. She wanted to speak out. She wanted things to change. And even after doing the right thing and giving the testimony, she didn't see the results that she thought were fair. Absolutely. She... What, what really stuck out to me was that she had her voice kind of taken away from her and she had her voice molded in a way that going back to what we were talking about earlier, preservation techniques, her survival, she molded her vo- voice the best way she knew how to survive. Then once she realized, hey, you know what? This isn't working. This inner anguish, this this conflict is building up in me. These feelings are building up from, building up in me. Then she found her true voice, and she was able to go to her true self, standing up for herself, standing up for what she believed, uh, being able to evaluate what is right and what is wrong. And, you know, it all of this ties into the assumptions versus reality. You know, you make these assumptions that, okay, so they live in a lower-income cl- lower neighborhood, and so they must be dealing drugs. They must be gang, you know, they must be this. They must be that. You have all these stereotypes. Of course they have a gun in their car. Of course they're going to fight back to the police, you know. Yeah, you have these stereotypes and assumptions. Mm -hmm. And the reality of the situation is Khalil was doing it to support his family. The reality of the situation is is that Star's dad takes care of people in the neighborhood and harbors people trying to get out of the gang and helps people. And you see all of these realities behind the assumptions that society makes about them every single day. And this even goes back to, or not goes back, but this even connects to, and we'll talk more about this with um, Dear Martin, but the assumptions that others made about him and his friends and a, an event that happened in the first few what pages of the book yeah. between him and his on-again, off-again girlfriend. So it's all of these assumptions versus realities that we see. And I think that, taking it even a step further, we make assumptions solely based on where people live. Mm -hmm. And they are judged because of where they live. They are judged because of who they hang out with. They are judged because she wears Jordans. I mean, there's so many... She's judged because she dates a white boy. Yes, like her dad cannot fathom this whatsoever. And that also comes into play with Dear Martin as well. We see very similar, that inner anguish again and trying to sort through. She feels guilty for dating him after the incident with the police officer. She doesn't know how she can be okay with that instance because they represent everybody. And it's the same with police officers and the media one police officer who makes a bad choice represents all police officers and that's not fair it's like teachers in the news they make one bad decision and all of a sudden we're all on trial and there's going to be bad decisions in every job there's going to be bad decisions at every age she went to a party she there were gunshots she got in a car Khalil wasn't a bad guy. I mean, he was keeping her safe. They were literally talking about Tupac and like changing the world. 
Yes, which a lot of people, which actually kind of surprises me, the hate you give, thug, thug life, Tupac, a lot of people didn't get that when I was starting to really research this through different people's perspective. It kind of surprised me. I agree. I mean, it's kind of obvious. I think they even talk about it in the first, like, chapter. They do. <laughs> Maybe they glanced over that. Maybe they were speed reading. Or maybe they were making assumptions. Maybe they were. <laughs> they weren't reading for comprehension, obviously. Right. But I agree with what Kelly said. There are pe- there are bad people in every profession. There are every there are bad people in every walk of life. There are bad people at every age, at every season of life. There are bad people in every location in the world. That is a part of what makes our society our human. That's um. That is a part of what makes our race of of humans so unique is that we have this yin and yang we have this balance because for every bad there is a good and you've got to be the good in the world and I think that this is what really Angie Thomas was talking about too is be the good and be the change you wish to see she wanted things to change in her neighborhood she wanted things to change with the perception of people in her neighborhood so she made that happen and Angie Thomas doesn't present any of this information in a negative way. No, not at and all. And that is really what I appreciated. It shows the positive. It shows both sides to every story. It shows her dad and the guy her dad's competing against. It shows her uncle as the police versus the bad police. It shows her dealing with bullies at her school. I mean, it it was very well-rounded. I, You know me. I'm always leery when books are 400 and something pages, but... I really think that she needed every bit of those 400 pages to get her point across. Absolutely. I really, really enjoyed The Hate You Give. I definitely, it's an eighth grade and up for me because of the language, but I really enjoyed it. Even though they, I say eighth grade and up, I would put it in my library right now. I can think of seventh graders who need to read this book. Heck, I can think of sixth graders. But the fact of the matter is, is that there is some content that parents are not going to be okay with. So definitely hold off on giving this to seventh grade and below. But 8th grade, I could definitely see you getting away with it, um, depending on your principal and your district. But I agree with what with everything that Kelly has said. This book really, you know, I heard Angie Thomas speak at North Texas Teen Book Festival this past spring. And she is so humble and so kind. And she has done so much for the world of diverse literature. And is she the only one? No. I mean, Jason Reynolds does amazing things. Jacqueline Woodson. I mean, you have these authors that do amazing things. But this was a story that this time period in his, like our time period, our history right now, our society, this is a contemporary issue. that We needed this book at this time. We needed this book at this time. Our teenagers need to have this story, you know. You know, unfortunately, it's a real part of society, the color of your skin, determines your reality especially in the south i will say um we have had a lot of discussions about this as well as teachers in the south we see it every day and we see how hateful the students are to one another and we see the things they say and trying to change that narrative is obviously one of our goals and so bringing in this type of literature to the classroom maybe it's not going to change everything but even if it helps make that one difference or changes that one mind i think that's i mean that's why we became teachers yes absolutely you know um a lot of people asked when i started becoming a teacher why are you doing it you know 
And I'm like, if I could just get that spark in one kid, my whole career would be made. And I think this is the book that could definitely impact. You know, I can think of my seventh grade year. My seventh grade English teacher still stands out to me. I could still say her name. I won't for privacy reasons. And I remember, I mean, she would teach us Edgar Allan Poe, you know, and I still remember going over these things with her and really talking about these things and really discussing these important issues, not in Edgar Allan Poe, but in other, other uh, texts. These moments with your students, with your children, if you're a parent listening to this, if you're a sister, these are the my brother, aunt, uncle, whatever. These are the moments that are, these are the books that our youth need to be reading. They know, you know, yes, I love fantasy and it gives them a great choice, you know, a great opportunity to escape reality. But these are the books that they need to be reading to form their own realities, their form their own opinions, not just based on assumptions or what they've been fed. Before we move on and discuss any books that we may recommend on the same topic or what we are covering in our next episode, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Please check out our Facebook and Instagram at Pages of a Bibliophile. You can also check out our Patreon account, Pages of a Bibliophile, for outtakes and blooper reels. We would love, um, one thing that Kelly and I struggled with this week when we were planning this episode and Dear Martin is the recommendation portion. We, there aren't that many books in realistic fiction that are similar to these titles. Um, I believe that probably many writers are writing books about this right now, but there just isn't a market for them. I think Angie Thomas really did set The, the bar. The bar, like really high. And so... Would we love to see more titles like this? Of course. Are there already diverse titles out there? Of course. But as far as what we could find to recommend to you, we're going to reach out to you guys. We want to hear what you have to say. We are struggling a bit right now for that. Diversifying our classroom libraries. And, you know, um, what is her name? The girl... So Donnell Clayton spoke at North Texas Teen Book Festival, and I know I keep bringing it up, but it was like... Life-changing for Lindsay. It was amazing. I just hearing all these authors. So Donnell Clayton spoke, and she's the author of The Bells, and she was talking about how she got so tired of not seeing her a brown girl represented in literature. And if it was, it had to do with slavery. It had to do with the Civil Rights Movement. And so when Kelly's talking about Angie Thomas setting this bar and what we were talking about with more contemporary issues, I think this is what we're talking about, is that... Yes, we have the Watsons go to Birmingham. We have Brown Girl Dreaming. We have, you know, of course, Jason Reynolds is more contemporary issues. We know some, but we would love to hear from you. What are some other titles? Because we just, we want to diversify our libraries. And make, we want to diversify our libraries and make all of our students feel included. You know, I hated last year we were able to watch a movie and 
one of my girls said, can we watch The Princess and the Frog? And I said, sure. Um, I said, well, but, you know, I'm all about majority rules in my classroom. And she's like, we've never watched, you know, any princesses that look like me. You know, and I teach seventh grade. But still, like, that was like, ouch. Yeah, I mean, it hits you. Oh. Like, I don't want you to feel excluded. Because, you know. That's not our intention. No. I love all my kids. But it's the reality of our society is that it isn't, there isn't that much representation. And what we have available. I mean, we can only use what we have available. Yes. And we're teachers. We're not rolling in... In the dough, we promise you. We're not sleeping on beds of made of money, so... Every resource we buy, we usually buy ourselves. So, we would like to invest our money where it is wisest. So, if you guys, for our recommendation port- portion of this, you know, and it's not just African-American literature. It can be, you know, Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. That's a good one that's coming out that everybody's talking about, you know? Yeah, and I just listened to an excellent podcast about the Poppy Wars, about, um, you know, Asian culture and what all happens during wars that we don't even learn about over here in the United States. Yeah, I would love to just make my kids, you know, one of my favorite things growing up was going to these different countries. I grew up going to different countries and really submerging myself into their culture, and I really wish that I could give that experience to my kids because not all my kids can go take a vacation like that. But there's a reason why my Instagram is titled The Adventures of a Bibliophile and that's because there's an adventure between every single page of every single book. And if I could give them the opportunity to have this adventure into other cultures, into other countries and to other societies other than their own to broaden their horizons and broaden their understanding of the world, my job, I feel like, would be complete. Absolutely. So, recommendations. We would love to hear from them. LGBT, any kind of ethnicity, culture, gender. I mean, there's a really great one out there about um, transgender right now. It's, and I cannot remember it, but it's the dressmaker's apprentice I believe it's called and it's basically where the prince likes to dress up in princess dresses I believe I saw it in TTBF I want to read it I want to start including like Julie Murphy with Ramona Blue or Melinda Lowe with um, Ash you know there are books that I start I want to include outside of just different racial right differences mm-hmm all right, guys. Well, I think we have talked long enough about this. We hope if you haven't read The Hate You Give, you go out and give it a chance. I know it's being really hyped up right now, but for good reason. It's worth it. It is worth it. Um, next episode will be Dear Martin by Nick Stone. We look forward to talking with you guys about that one, too. Remember, you can always reach out to us at Pages of the Bibliophile on Instagram and Facebook. And on Twitter, we have we are starting to tweet. We're getting there. We're getting more active on that. We're trying. You should feel very proud of us. We really should. Like, <laughs> our reality is not Twitter. But we're trying. Um, and our Twitter is PG, like girl, S, like Sam, of a Biblio. So pages, PGS, of a Biblio. And it, we just covered The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Our upcoming book that we're going to be doing is Lord of the Flies. We would look forward to. So if you're in the North Texas area, you know, let us know and we'll let you know where it ups. So if you're in the area and would like to join us, please let us know. It's called Getting Lit with the Classics. You can find us on Facebook too. And also 
There is going to be a bonus episode on our Patreon about the Hitchhiker's Guide. But that will do it for this week. We appreciate all of your support, and we will see you on our next episode. Bye, guys.